Say for network. I'm Biggs. I'm Brandon. And I'm Carl. So Adult Swim is producing movies for the Aqua Teen Hunger Force, Metalocalypse, and Venture Brothers. This is kind of exciting for me for two-thirds of it. Apparently, they're all going to be off of the end of the series, so they're like sequels, if you will. As far as I'm concerned, you can crumple up the Aqua Teen Hunger Force movie and throw it away. I saw we, <laughs> we saw the Aqua Teen Hunger yeah. Force movie, and it wasn't great. Yeah, I saw what they did with it. I decided that they're better in short doses. You know, I will say that that opening sequence with the food singing about the condiments and like buying snacks and then the death metal versions of the snacks steal the stage from them and sing a death metal song about the rules of being in the theater (laughs) don't bring your baby or we'll put it in the street and run it over (laughs) if you talk during the movie we'll come to your house and tear your wife in half (laughs) so that was the first Five minutes. Yeah. And, you know, the thing <laughs> that's great, from there. you could put that at the beginning of any movie in the theater. It would work because it's a parody of like this old school commercial that would air at the beginning of movies and theaters that are like, or like the turn off your cell phone stuff. Yeah. If they had put it at the start of Remains of the Day, it might still be a classic, but there are just some forgotten. There are some episodes of Aqua Teen Hunger Force that I remember quite oh, yeah, fondly. Yeah. yeah, 100%. That show was bad yeah. ass. The show was great. The movie yeah, it, was fucking terrible. The capital T. 15 minutes is a good, good runtime for that show. Like, Yeah, it's perfect 15 minutes. You know, and also I kind of got confused when they kept rebooting the name of the show. Because they started doing this weird thing where, like, the show continued on, but they kept changing the name slightly. And... I don't even know what the other names are. All I know is that those seasons exist, and I never watched any of it. Now, Metalocalypse, I'm excited for that. I I was in and out on the show. Not that I was ever really out, but it was just at a period of time where I didn't always have Adult Swim. So I saw a scattering of episodes here and there, but it never disappointed me. That show was always very funny, and I definitely look forward to a movie. Didn't it switch from 15 minutes episodes to this 30s minutes episodes? Yes. (laughs) They can make that a movie. Like, it was already way too epic for its 30 minute format already how many seasons are there four you're all caught up no that's what i'm saying like i will definitely catch up but for the movie yeah. I think I don't know how caught up I am, but I think I'm relatively caught up. It's a good show. Yeah, it's it like gets a show crazy, and it's like and, and the premise is crazy I, anyway. It's a metal yeah. band that the whole world hinges on this metal band. Yeah. Like, like they have an argument in band practice, and like the Dow tanks. You know what I mean? Like it's it's absolutely yeah. Insane. All the world stuff is the best stuff. I think <laughs> just people dying left and right. Like, why would you even go into being a newscaster? How would you even make that your job? You're just going to die horribly. But I mean, 90% of all humanity is doomed in this show. 
<laughs> They're all going to yeah. die. When you're hanging your fate on that bass player, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> and then Venture Brothers, I am excited because... Well, that's the greatest news of the Yes, series. and By that's why shot. I saved it for last because that show is the oldest show that Adult Swim has, apparently. Like, at least they made it sound that way in the article. I don't know if that's true or not, but it was definitely their longest running show. I believe it was seven seasons. Seven seasons. And that was over 15 years because they would almost always take a year break. A year and a half. Yeah. 18 months. It's in my top three of superhero shows of all time still. It's so fucking rich and cutting while at the same time being a love letter. They walk a fine line of making fun of all of the tropes. But at the exact same time, like, just lovingly embracing all of the tropes at the same time. Yes. Yeah. And they just do such a perfect job of that balancing act throughout the entire thing. And the story just gets deeper with every season. And that and show is there is amazing. no rock unturned from that first season either. <laughs> like, they just keep going back to little tiny things yeah. to where if you go and revisit the show, it's even richer than you realize because you can't possibly remember everything that went on in it. It's also a show where you get references to things that you can go and learn about and like widen your whole pool of experience. They do some deep cuts and they do some obscure stuff and they just like have fun with some retro things and some 90s stuff that was kind of tossed popular for a while and thrown to the wayside after a while. You're going all the way back to like the 60s for just the premise of the show. Yeah, Andy Warhol party. Yeah. Well, yeah, the Hunter S. Thompson thing. Yeah. Uh, Even further, like the show is built around Johnny Quest, which was like late 60s, early 70s. And it definitely is poking fun at it. But like most people who watch Venture Brothers have never fucking seen Johnny Quest. And why would you? It's like an old dated I saw some of it too. Like it's our age, right? Like it was just on TV on reruns because our parents liked it. So it's like, it's one of those things that was on because our parents' generations were like, oh, we can sit down and watch this with our kids. Not knowing that the kids were just like, oh, this sucks. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, they also lampooned things that were deep fucking dives that then wound up being pop culture huge later, like Doctor Strange, right? Like the, the, who's Dr. Orpheus. Yeah, Dr. Orpheus is such a Doctor Strange ripoff. Oh, yeah. And, like, I don't think most people got that when the show was first on. And now you cut forward, like, Marvel's had him in, what, three movies now? Even if you didn't go to Doctor Strange, you fucking know who Doctor Strange is now. It's just kind of unavoidable. And they weren't happy just staying at Doctor Strange. Like, they have their Blade ripoff. They have their... Uh, Spider-Man. Doctor Voodoo ripoff. Yep. They, and then they go Kingpin, into, like, Spider-Man Dozen, and all that. White Whale. Yeah, they did a whole a new stuff. season based around basically uh, Green Hornet with the Blue Morpho. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Monarch. What is he? I, I think the Monarch is just like a generic a villain, but they just like build him. design. They God, just build the him out. And like the fact that they have the henchmen that they uh, just decide yeah. to like have return and then have real lives <laughs> yeah. that you get to explore. You even see one die eventually because yeah. you kind of start to think that those two are untouchable at a certain point. And then one of them dies. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, they and don't they get, mine so much. Out they of don't that. get to be cloned. 
Like the boys do. And I love that that one guy is like, he's basically Kevin Smith in the early 90s. Like he's completely designed to look like Kevin Smith circa 94. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like same body type, same hair. Like the way his hair is pulled back and stuff like that. He's Kevin Smith. You just put on a trench coat on him. Man, just the end of season one when you're like the boys die spoilers for the end of <laughs> that was one. crazy dude and you're like what the shit and then you find out later that they are clones and you see this montage <laughs> of them dying in the dumbest ways like remember that was the time we had the mustaches yeah like the one where yeah and then like the way that brock and and the the doctor are reminiscing is like what hairstyle they had when the boys died <laughs> that time that What's the what's the older one? Wait, the blonde one? Dean. Dean, Dean. yeah. When Dean's wearing his Batman. No, Hank. 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 Yeah, Hank. Hank's Dean, wearing Dean's his Batman mask and he's got his Batman cape and he's holding an umbrella and he jumps off the roof of the compound. <laughs> Death. I like the one oh. just like them in their room. Carbon yeah. monoxide. The ha- silent killer. <laughs> yeah. This- <laughs> Nothing is happening. But we glossed over the really brilliant part of that is before that happens, you see this montage of the professor grieving and he's like going to clubs and taking too much X and all this stuff. And then Brock is like, it's time. It's time to let it go. And he's like, you're right. And that's when he clothes him. It's just like, it's fucking crazy, dude. And you're like, what is going on? I love that show, dude. One of the first episodes I watched, there's this like chupacabras that like like, fly out of the ship, and he's like, chupacabra. And, like, you're going to find out more about those chupacabras. They're just in the show, but, like, it's just a little sight gag that you think is just a sight gag, and then, of course, they blow it out. And Brock Sampson just really explores, like, how you should not be enamored with the bruiser guy that they always have in shows because he's just an awful human being, and he's my favorite. Brock is the fucking best, and he is awesome, and Patrick Warburton it's his best character, I think, yeah. of all his characters. He does a lot of characters. Brock is best. what got me into the show because I, yeah, the first yeah. episode I caught was uh, Just the Ghost of the Sargas. No, it was the one where uh, they get taken over by the pirates and they're body searching him for the key and he like clamps down on the one guy's hand and like kills the other guy. He like forces the guy to cavity search his ass and then grabs <laughs> the guy's hand with his ass. Like beats, throws, beats the other, beats guy, the other guy with it. <laughs> I caught it just before that scene, and I'm like, what is this? I need this in my life. What a place to start. The first one that I saw, and I don't remember which episode it was, but I remember the scene very well. It's still one of my favorite ones, was the monarch has all the henchmen coming after him. They keep hitting him with sleep darts, (laughs) and he's just murdering them left and right, and then he's got one by the throat when he finally (laughs) goes unconscious. And then, like, he ca- they can't let his grip go, even though they think he's dead. And so the guy's just turning purple and dies. And so they have to, like, bury him. And then he, like, comes back to life and, like, digs himself out. And he's still holding the guy by the neck when he bursts out of the dirt. 
<laughs> and I, as soon as I saw that, I was just like, I'm in on this show. I don't care. Like, I'm in on this show. <laughs> this is amazing. But here's the synopsis that they have. So Doc's latest invention will either bankrupt ventures or launch them to new heights. I mean, that's pretty yeah. much every season, right? yeah. every episode. As Hank searches for himself, Dean searches for Hank, the monarch searches for answers, and the mysterious woman from their past threatens to bring their entire world crashing down on them. So uh-huh. that's what that was my initial thought, too. Because they never, they almost got there. <laughs> Dr. Venture and the monarch's mom, because they're brothers. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I was thinking about the clones' mom. The kids' moms. There was a crazy the agent. Elmira. She's not really their mom. She's just a psychotic woman that decided, that so, became obsessed with Dr. Venture after she was assigned to be his bodyguard. Are we sure, though? Yes. <laughs> I only I'm sure ask, she's not their mom. Yeah, yeah. And then I only there was ask another lady. Venture is, like, so slippery. Well, there's another lady that she slept with, there that slept with the professor, but that's where that one kid that they thought was oh, uh, Brock's son for a long time is actually the professor's son. He is a venture brother, technically. But I don't think he knows it. Maybe he knows it now. At the very end of season seven, I think they kind of wrap that up, and Dermot's part of... Yeah, that's his name. He's good. I like Dermot. <laughs> yeah, I, kn- I knew a couple of Dermots growing up. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, more than a couple. A couple of good ones, a couple of bad ones. He's kind of a mix of both of them. Well, a couple of episodes ago, I said, here comes an Elon Musk host an SNL, and a bunch of people are talking a bunch of shit about it, and, like, tweeting, I'm not going to watch this episode just because of this, because I'm protesting, whatever, who cares. I knew it was going to be, like, controversial, but it was like, who is this guy really? What's the deal? What's it going to be like? And so I watched it. And it was just an average SNL episode. Nothing I would say special. sub-average like it. Nothing special about it. Yeah. Um, Miley Cyrus fucking sang some songs. She was pretty good. There were some okay jokes. I uh, thought there was one sketch that did make me laugh, which was the, was it the Generation Z thing that they the did? The Gen Z hospital. Yeah, that's the one yeah. that I saw a backlash article about because apparently. A couple of articles so about Apparently that. Gen so Z slang is appropriation from African tribal like slave dialect or yeah, something. Yeah, 100%. percent <laughs> you ever listen to anybody from Gen Z talk? <laughs> I didn't realize Bay was like slave language and that we were co-opting that. But I don't talk like that so it doesn't really affect me. I just laugh because I have kids and yeah. they all talk like that. Right. And like, so it, I think it's a grown weird Hearing grown adults thing. doing that really made me laugh. <laughs> it, I thought it was a funny sketch. Um, <clears throat> I thought Elon Musk was actually pretty funny. He did fine. You know, he didn't do any better or worse than any average host, like especially one that's not already funny. I didn't think he did anything great. And I don't think he was like <laughs> straight up awful either. He was it was like you said at the top. He, he was did. just like it was just an, an average run of the mill, maybe subpar episode. He did miss when he was Wario. That was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> one thing that really, really stuck with me when I watched that episode. When he goes to do the monologue, they're allowed to do pretty much whatever they want for the monologue, which Uh is why the monologue doesn't hit a lot of the time. Because it's like, I want to show I can dance or I can sing or it's like something boring a lot of the time. And you can tell when they have no ideas because they're like, we'll just have cast members pretend like they're audience members and talk to you, you know. But he chose to do it to talk about how he was the first autistic host of Saturday Night Live. 
The first host yeah. with Asperger's. Asperger's, yes. I watched that and yeah. I was like, oh, I see what you're doing here. This is all a PR thing for you, Elon Musk. The well, fact of course that, it yeah. is. That's what people do when that's why people go on SNL. Oh, no, no. I get it. But it's usually you're like promoting a product of some sort. And it ve- felt very much usually to me like he was. that you're promoting is a... Uh... An entertainment product. Yeah. And it wasn't in this case. It was straight up a public rehabilitation thing almost. It was like, I know that there's some people that don't like me, so I'm going to put this out there and make... But I don't think that SNL is a place where you go to get rehabilitated. No, it's typically not. But I think Elon Musk was going out to make people buy into him specifically. Not any product that he's shilling, but like him. I think he's taken a lot of heat over a lot of things, and rightly so. And so I think he uses this as an opportunity to be like, well, go ahead and like flame me, but like I've got Asperger's. Like it felt a little bit like that to me. Maybe I'm reading into <laughs> this wrong, but. No, I totally get that. And for the record, he's not the first. Uh, Dan, Dan Aykroyd is the first. But he Jesus, is the what first. What a miss, dude. <laughs> no, but he is the first to say that he is on a monologue, you know, like, <laughs> which he made a point to clarify in his speech. Like he said the line, I'm the first one. And then he's like, at least the first one that said it. You know, that's mentioned it out loud, that's admitted it. And I don't think Dan Aykroyd's going around telling people, hey, guess what? I have Asperger's. Probably said it one time to somebody and then it became a thing. Do you really get points for that? I don't, I didn't care about that. The thing that that annoyed me. That's not what people don't like about Elon Musk. Yeah, that's that's my point. But I felt like it was a way of like trying to humanize him to people. Well, but it does. It, it felt calculated to me. But he, he is, though. It doesn't matter that he is. What I think he used his monologue for. No. Look, he puts his mom up on stage, too. I know it's Mother's Day, but he puts his mom up on stage and he mentions Dude. that. It just felt like he was trying to sell himself to people. You know, to a certain extent, he may have mentioned he has Asperger's to explain all his weird twitches to people out of the gates because there might be people out there that are unfamiliar with Asperger's and like kind of weird facial tics and things that are accompanied by it. They might misinterpret that as him having a laugh or not taking shit seriously or making fun of the community. I don't take away from the things that I dislike about the guy. I'm not saying but to. I think he used the he, monologue for that The thing that, that I didn't like is when he said that his whole, I reinvented the electric car and I'm trying to send people to Mars. Did you really expect me to be a regular, normal guy? And I, I like that line, but I didn't like the fact that he reinvented the electric car and then he's sending people to Mars. Like he's doing it all by himself and then all these people are like cheering for him. Like these brags are... Are like worthy of cheering. Yeah. You know, and that's it, what it I all, didn't it like. It all serves it's into the, the ego right there. The other stuff, it did humanize him for me. But that's my extent. point. I think, but, but I think specifically that's why it's there. It's not, I don't think it was to Just because something tics. is calculated doesn't mean it's not like a real thing too. He I, is I, a I didn't human say it's being. not a real thing. I think he used the monologue to further his own legend. 
And I think he used these things to like humanize him. And then he built himself up as he went further into the monologue. Like it was the most self-serving monologue, like honestly self-serving monologue I think I've seen on Saturday Night Live. I'm surprised at how Heidi Gardner threw her mom under the bus <laughs> twice <laughs> during the cold open, man. Like the fact that her mom has had a bunch of plastic surgery and her face is like really scary was used as a joke. On Mother's Day twice. <laughs> it was <laughs> fucked up. I was just like, wow. She had to be in on that, right? They ain't going to surprise jokes it. like that. She <laughs> yeah. It, oh, man. They have an interesting relationship. Who knows what's going on behind the scenes there? She's probably a stage mother. I started following Heidi Gardner on Twitter because I like her. She's Because you're like, this is fucked up. She I need makes to see me laugh a lot. Like, uh, she was good in that Gen Z hospital sketch. There's this one she did recently with Daniel Craig the sketch where they're like having a house party and they're doing a, a party game where they're quoting from movies but her and Daniel Craig are like the quotes they're doing are things like uh, hey you gonna get around to that just like super non plot related vague hey how are you it's not you the know, memorable line where's that thing going there's nothing there and like they're getting really intimate about it and like Kate McKinnon is Daniel Craig's wife. <laughs> so that makes it even weirder because she's just like sitting there commenting on it the whole time. Like it's a really weird sketch, but it's hilarious. And uh, only Heidi Gardner, is that her name? Heidi Gardner could pull that shit off. They're all good though. This current run, I'm not watching it for the host at all. I'm watching it for the cast. I'm not disappointed. Melissa Villasenor got to do a fucking Bjork impersonation <laughs> on this episode. And that alone made my night for the episode was Melissa Villasenor being Bjork. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> it was pretty good. I'm looking forward to next week's host because they got uh, Is that Keegan-Michael Keegan Michael Key. Key. Yeah. Ooh, that's going to be good. That actually just launched me watching Key and Peele with my daughter a whole bunch. <laughs> nice. And, uh, you know, I have to, like, kind of scan the head on a couple of sketches, but because it <laughs> would just be uncomfortable for both of us. Did but. you, uh, you fell asleep watching this episode, and then you, when you started over, you accidentally were watching the Daniel Kaluuya episode? Yeah. Did you watch the whole Daniel Kaluuya episode? No, I think also, I saw the last half of it. It's <laughs> That's why I thought that's it's why I really thought good. it was one episode at first and then I was like, wait a second. Daniel it took me Kaluuya. a minute to identify him because he doesn't look like he looked like in Get Out. And I did see Judas and the Black Messiah, but I think of him more as he was in Get Out. Isn't he in Black Panther? The leader of the tribe that has all the rhinos, I thought. Yeah, I don't know. When I see him looking like Get Out, I'm like that guy, but he just looks way more bulked up than he did back then. So, so I think he bulked up for Judas and the Black Messiah. So, um, yeah. I don't know. Mm. It was pretty cut in Black Panther. Yeah. Wasn't that after Get Out? Get Out. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. That's <laughs> I'm not totally. You gotta not... say it like Elaine from Get Seinfeld. Out. Get Out. <laughs> just shove somebody in the yeah. chest. I was reading an article with uh interview with uh, Fisher Stevens. Ah, the great Fisher Stevens. Who, for people that don't know, he was banned in Short Circuit and Short Circuit 2. He was the Indian guy or rather the white guy playing <laughs> The white guy Indian playing guy. the Indian character. Yeah. He was uh, everybody's favorite villain in the beloved classic <laughs> Hackers. <laughs> 
He was also the newspaper writer in Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, the one that wrote the article about how they're the worst bar. The worst bar in Philly and they And they took him hostage. <laughs> what else has he been in? A lot so of one-shot stuff. The article is basically talking about how like that short circuit character was one that really haunted him for a long time. Like personally, not like people bring it up, but just like when he first started auditioned for short circuit, it was a white character. And then he got hired on and they changed the character to be an Indian character. And they set him up with a dialect coach. And I'm like, they did all this stuff to make him be an Indian character. But they didn't think at any point we were like, should we cast an Indian guy for this? Yeah. Which kind of really bothers me. Like, the more I think about it, it's like, they went through a lot to keep. And he was just, it was his first big role but they're like well we're gonna change it okay we're gonna make this an indian character who's a doctorate in robotics which is great but then they're like but we're still gonna keep the white guy playing it (laughs) yeah nobody's gonna believe this indian guy playing that guy yeah it's just let's slap some brown on it they're, they're 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 trying to do something good but then they're like let's not completely go down this road and it's funny because uh this article is also talking about like a couple of other movies about the same time that really did the same thing. Oh, yeah. It was commonplace. Yeah. And it was. Uh, I mean, like I can name one off the top of my head. Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins. Uh, Soul Man. Oh, God. I, I feel like Soul Man, I think, was the last time that you were able to get away with a white person in blackface. Like, I think that was the last time, and it was only allowed in comedy and even then controversial after that. Yeah. It, what was it? Uh, Trading Places? Coming back to Dan Aykroyd? Yeah. Playing Jesus, the Jamaican? Dude. <laughs> Just so many bad examples. Yeah. Now, yeah. Or uh, what's his name? Adrian Brody getting banned from SNL because he did a wore dreadlocks and spoke in a Jamaican accent to introduce one of the musical guests. I bet it was Kelly Crows. <laughs> that just sounds. I'm trying to think of like Adrian Brody when he would have hosted the show, and I feel like he's at his peak in like the mid '90s, right? Mm. Yeah, he had a pretty good surge then. Yeah. So I'm betting Counting Crows fits the bill. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's got to be a band that would be on the show. You know what I mean? That actually just like sounds all correct. I don't know. This is just me calculating. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never actually heard this story before. I might have even seen the episode and just forgotten about it because yeah. I can't remember every episode. I remember watching one with John. 2003. 2003. Okay. I remember Sean one. Paul. Sean Paul. That's nope. who it was. Is that like a YouTube guy? <laughs> no, he was, uh, no, he was a. Uh, oh, he did the uh, the one they just did the Doritos commercial for the Super Bowl. Wasn't that him? Didn't see the Super Bowl. Have no idea. He said, "I'm not doing the voice," but he said, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah." You know, man, we got original rude boy Sean Paul here. Then he says. Respect all respect, my auntie. Respect all aspect. Respect me neck. Respect me knees. Big up Jamaica Massive. Big up Jamaica Massive. We got the whole family now. You hear? So, Adrian Big respect Brody. to my man, There's John more? Paul, the dance floor killer. 
Jesus. Okay, Adrian Brody, this is how it's done. And now, Sean Paul. Yeah. <laughs> that's what people Ladies do. Ladies and gentlemen, Sean Paul. Yeah, that's that's all you fucking do. What are you doing? <laughs> I do remember, and Carl's not going to like this, uh, Judge Reinhold had one where I found out later that they told him just to stretch for like 15 seconds. And so he goes on and he says, a lot of people ask me how I got the name Judge. And it's when I had to decide between life and death over one of my playmates. Ladies and gentlemen, Tom Petty. Or whoever the fuck it was. Fucking Judge Reinhold. <laughs> That's what he went with, dude, to stretch. Yeah. But at least he didn't get in dreadlocks, dude. I mean, one is clearly worse than the other. <laughs> you know, usually the younger version of the older actor is worse than the original. But the younger version of the Judge Reinhold is that Scottish guy from the IT crowd that's in like Bridesmaids and... Uh, I know who you're talking about. Uh, Chris... Chris O'Dowd. Yeah. And Chris O'Dowd is great. Yeah. He's like the better Judge Reinhold. <laughs> No. I'd hate Judge Chris Reinhold. O'Dowd can't yeah. hold down like a lead role. Sure he Judge can. Reinhold. He's done it a couple of times. Ah, uh, nothing yeah. big. Bridesmaids was big. He did not hold it down. That was Kristen Wiig. John Hamm had more to do than he did. He was even fucking the same character. He was the love interest. Right. He's a good love interest in a female-centric movie. Does he ever have more than, like, five minutes in a movie? I know him better from IT Crowd where he's like, gets plenty of camera time because he's one of the two mains. Like, Dinner for Schmucks, I think he has a pretty decent amount of screen time. Dude, that movie, I wanted to like it Me, so much. Yeah, I'm not a big fan and of that I, one. I went to it in the theater, and I was just like, it's one of those comedies where you just, you can tell in the first 15 minutes, ah, fuck, I, mm-hmm. this should be great, and it's just, for some reason, terrible. And yeah. uh, who knows why, but it's just, no jokes hit in that movie. And you look at the cast, and, like, everybody's yeah, phenomenal on paper, this, this should be great. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't yeah. come together. Wow, what a forgettable movie that you just brought up, dude. I haven't <laughs> thought of Dinner for Schmucks since like five minutes into that movie. What are some <laughs> other movies that are like on paper are super going to be amazing like that and then are just don't live up to it? Iron Sky 2. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Iron Sky 1? <laughs> oh, Iron Sky 1 is like kind of just what you want, though. If you're like, yeah, it's Nazis from a moon base attacking America, it delivers what you want from it but iron sky 2 is just it, it adds more and somehow How about it's this less one? the one with all the old rocks guys with the old what action guys the expendables, the expendables. expendables. yeah I, dude i actually really like, enjoy the first I two enjoyed, expendables. Yeah. yeah man those don't live up to the hype they make me laugh it's not the hype they just How make about, me laugh you don't like we were talking about this outside you don't like the adam sandler crowd but what about like that the ones that are like Chris Rock, Adam Sandler. <laughs> I like Chris Rock in Waves. I'm out on Sandler movies. Like I never even watched Grown Ups. I was out years before Grown Ups. So the only Sandler movie that I've seen, I think there's been two in the last decade or so. No, I guess there's been three. And only one I Happy Madison. Watched. How about Hubie that? Halloween? 
I did not willingly watch it. I watched it because you told me to watch it. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I didn't want to suffer alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Uncut Gems. I mm. I willingly watched that one, and I did like it. I know Brandon hated it. <laughs> and uh, fuck, I can't remember the. Th- oh, it, it was the video game one. Oh, Pixels. Pixels. Oof, yeah, and oof. that was because I had a room full of kids, and so they were watching it quietly. So I'm like, I'm not leaving the room because shit is tame right now, and I want to make sure it stays tame. And uh, so I watched that whole thing it's like exactly what i thought it would be it's an sounds adam sandler like, movie it with seems like games. a bad one yeah it was 100 yeah. <laughs> and as far i watched it and i was like wow his formula really has not changed like, even in this by, big budget movie i stand by the wrong missy the newest one with david spade and lauren lapkus even though lauren lapkus got nominated for a is, razzie for that is movie. he in it Oh, no, no. He's just a Happy Madison production. Okay. I won't, like, shit on Happy Madison in general because I do really like the Goldbergs, which is Happy Madison. Lauren Lapkus is great. Yeah. And I'll stand by her for any – on anything. As long as it's not Orange is the New Black. No, I'll stand behind her on it. What's wrong with that show? I brought it up one time and you were like, no interest in watching it. Like, I very don't loudly. have any interest in watching it. Lauren but Lapkus that doesn't mean is... she's bad for being honest. No, I don't think she's bad. I'm just like, you said you'd stand behind her in anything. <laughs> I, Clearly yeah, not no, Orange I, is the New Black. I support her being on the show and other people can watch it. Enough people, other people are watching it. The thing is, is like, there are things that she does that I feel like my listening to it or my sub- actively supporting it is like makes a tangible difference <laughs> <laughs> well the wrong messy did well so it, it didn't need you if that's no but i watched it anyways because i watched the first 10 minutes and it is just like insane and she's fucking hilarious i'll and be so honest kept watching if that movie was sold to me as a lauren lapkus movie i probably would have watched it but nope it was sold to me as a david spade movie and it's i'm like mostly... david spade i'm pretty done with you so the premise of it is that she he goes on this date and it's like the worst fucking date he's ever been on lauren lapkus is just a fucking psychopath right and then he meets this other girl and she's amazing and like she's perfect. the wrong person right and then he goes on some cruise or whatever and he he thinks he's been texting with this great girl but he's been texting with lauren lapkus the whole time so when she shows up and he's trapped on the vacation with her she's crazy do they fall in love i don't remember she's (laughs) the clinger from wedding crashers isn't the one that's like the redhead yeah no that's like isla fisher isla fisher that's the same girl from uh hot rods the crazy girl from Wedding Crashers is also the girl from Hot Rod. The Adam yeah, S- Andy and Talladega Sandberg Nights. Movie. Yes, Talladega Nights. <laughs> we are just hitting like every SNL adjacent thing we can. Do. Uh, dude, Andy Samberg <laughs> is great. I just rewatched we, his. We got a testimonial about it in last episode. So yeah. yeah, I just rewatched his one of his episodes where he hosted, and it was good. Are we doing deep dive? down, down, deep, bro. deep, deep dive. <laughs> deep, deep. Okay, so I was thinking about what to do for the deep dive this week. It suddenly occurred to me when I went to watch The Bad Batch that there's probably a lot of people that are on the Disney Plus train that are suddenly like felt it derail because they're like, I don't know anything about Star Wars anymore and I have no idea how to even jump in. 
And so first off, I want to say you can jump in. They explain anything you need. It doesn't matter. Like this is how Star Wars works. It just jumps from point to point in the timelines and it doesn't matter. But I just have a little brushing here to like get you through it. If you're still nervous about it, I can just let you know the broad strokes of what's going on. Even if you don't watch Star Wars, if you've never seen a Star Wars movie, I'm just going to break it down to a base level so that you can watch The Bad Batch, which I highly recommend. It's very fun. As of the recording of this, we've gotten two episodes. Disney Plus will fucking drop the episode in between. So it'll be three. But this will be sort of like a quick guide to the first two episodes. So the Bad Batch is essentially these clones that are enhanced in different ways. So during the Clone Wars, they enhanced all of these clones to be exactly like this one because he was a really good fighter. A couple of them came out a little bit wrong because they were trying to kind of give them abilities that were a little bit above the other ones. And so they wind up looking a little weird, sort of like if you, I don't know, like grew on the edge of the test tube or something. (laughs) So they look differently than the other clones. faces? Well, one of them, yeah. For sure. Basically, there's Hunter who has enhanced sensory abilities and he's the general. He's the leader of the group. He kind of looks like Rambo a little bit. There's Crosshair who has enhanced eyesight. He's basically like the Hawkeye of the group or the arrow of the group. There's Wrecker who has enhanced strength and he's exactly what you think he is. He's a big dumb guy. Uh-huh. There's Tech who has an enhanced intelligence and strategizes. So he literally has glasses so that you know what his deal is. Okay. Right? Like that old trope where it's, you have glasses on and you're 40% smarter. So he's ugly? <laughs> he's he's very thin and skinny and he has glasses. He like codes for a nerd, right? And then you have Echo. So this was a guy who was a clone leader and he got captured. And basically the robots that are in the first three, the, the prequels, they like cut out part of his brain and replaced it with this tech so that they could understand the battle tactics that they were seeing, the people that they were fighting against. And then they would use him to kind of like control them against that because he understood their tactics. And so they rescued him from that. And then he can now interact with computers and shit like that. So he's almost like the RoboCop of clones, basically. So this is the Bad Batch. It's actually a lot of fun. They've got like different personalities. In the first episode, they have this character, Caleb Doom, who's a Jedi. And he's with this master and you see the master cut down they started right at order 66 which was when all the clones who had chips in their head were going to kill all the jedi he goes and runs off because he's instructed by his master this is a whole thing in rebels because he's one of the main characters and he's haunted by the fact that he ran away as all the jedi were cut down and you find out exactly what happened in this first episode so i won't totally run through it but they give that little nod and he's voiced by freddie prince jr and that is the one part of the episode is a little bit awkward. He looks like he's 12 or 13 and you're like, dude, that is a grown man voice coming out of that kid. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, They have Will Huff Tarkin in the episode. So Tarkin is most known for being in A New Hope where he orders Alderaan destroyed by the Death Star, right? He also appears in Rogue One for a little bit. All you really need to know about him from the Clone Wars, they explain quickly in the episode, which is that he does not believe in the clones and he wants to start moving to a live army because he thinks that the clones don't think enough. Like, they all kind of 
come from the same stock, so they they have the same strategies, and he wants to be able to employ different strategies. He basically wants to like be a more effective ruler by having people able to think a little bit more. And clearly, that doesn't work out because you ever seen a stormtrooper? They fucking suck. Stormtroopers are awful. Yeah. <laughs> and then you see a little glimpse of Saw Gerrera in it. So Saw Gerrera was Forrest Whitaker's character in Rogue One. He was also in the Clone Wars. He is basically a stand-in in the Star Wars universe for the Taliban because they have this planet and they're getting these resources and they're having a war with the king of this planet and they can't step in for political reasons because they're in the middle of this war. So they like subtly train some people to fight them while they step out of the way. And then these people become radicalized in Rebels, the show, and in Rogue One. You see like Saw Gerrera is essentially like the extremist arm of the rebellion. Like they're the ones that kind of show that the Rebel Alliance have like fucked up allies that do fucked up things because like you kind of have to have those people they go to the planet the bad batch does and they see him and that's when they realize like this empire that just took over because it's like literally the moment the empire takes over and they become the empire so it's showing this big big transition in star wars that they've always ignored and the disney extended universe stuff so we're finally getting these blanks filled in and then there's cut who's a guy they go to see and he's basically another clone but he deserted early in the clone wars and raised up a family and they see him there but they kind of let just let him keep doing his thing because they realize like he's found peace there and they kind of have brotherhood within the clones like this is a big thing in the clone wars is the clones are all aware that they're off of the same person but they're all finding their own personalities and that's a really big part of it is like how am i an individual compared to these other people which is what makes the order 66 so devastating because this chip goes off in their heads and then they have to kill the people that they like fight with and love and they don't have a choice it just like goes off and forces them so that's basically this show takes place over that entire period and it's a Dave Filoni run show so if you like the Mandalorian there's no reason why you won't like this in animated form it's some of the best animation they've done and I really recommend checking out Rebels too like Clone Wars if you can tolerate it but it's a lot like, I, I'm one of the few people who loves Clone Wars who says it's tough to get into. It's a lot because there's good episodes. There's bad episodes. But Rebels is pretty solid. This one feels like it's going on the Rebels trajectory where it's just like it's it's something that you would really enjoy watching. And it starts out shot out of a cannon. And I think it's going to be a really good show. So feel free to check it out if you're wondering. You got a couple episodes up. You can check it out. See for yourself. You watch it. I am. Invincible is another good one right now. It's finished its yeah. first season. It's already gotten the green light for seasons two and three due to the nature of its animation they can turn it around pretty quick i think yeah uh, yeah they do a lot of stuff where people are kind of standing around in the background they cut corners yeah which is totally fine it's a, a running joke from the comic that does the same thing where he'll recycle panels panels because he's lazy and he has a character in his comic that's a comic book writer that Mark visits at a comic book convention and he's like asks the guy like isn't that kind of lazy you know and then there's four panels of the comic book writer like just 
looking at him with a, <laughs> his eyebrow raised, and then he's just like, "Yeah, so you know, like <laughs> it's pretty great." Well, and, and also, I don't think that uh, what's his face is the the artist either. Like, he no, brings but in it's another artist, the but. same exact art. Like the whoever it is same that's the doing the Dead. animation is evoking Robert Kirkman's art style. Robert Kirkman's mm-hmm. primarily an artist. No, Kirkman's a writer, dude. He is an artist right now on Spider-Man. Why didn't he do the Walking Dead then? I don't know. Like he, he was brought in two different artists. I thought he Well, The Walking Dead starts 6 months after Invincible. That's what yeah. kind of makes it so amazing is that he had these two books that would like blow up on shows later yeah. at yeah, the I same know. time. Like, and they're all both very rich universes that he created very much on his own mm-hmm. for the most part. I mean, I'm sure he had help and he definitely is drawing influences from all over the place. But the thing that he ultimately creates is very unique and interesting and is like a perspective we don't see very often, which is one of the best things about it is like his approach to the genre is it's worth watching just for a fresh take on the whole thing yeah 100% I'm down on Invincible that show's great yeah dude that last episode dude there was a whole sequence that was not in the comics like if you've read the comic this still has a lot to offer a person and that's how he tackled The Walking Dead Mm -hmm. was he would change certain things and And he's learned from that for this yeah but he even did that from the the get go with The Walking Mm -hmm. Dead Yeah, like he would translate about 75% of the comic to the screen and then at a certain point in the walking dead it feels like they got very weighted down with the tv writing and started going further and further away from yeah that's the further they went away the worse the show yes and this that's what i mean by them learning their lessons from that show is oh gotcha like with this show it doesn't seem like they made any diversions from the source material that was going to derail anything ruin it yeah like they barely do it at all they make the choices they make are either purely cosmetic or they just kind of shift some things around a little bit they made amber was a white blonde girl and now she's a black girl yeah wasn't invincible beats wasn't invincible white in the comics it was ambiguous I mean, Mark Grayson yeah, he is sounds... a white guy name. Yeah. And Debbie Grayson is a white lady mom name. And now she's Asian. Asian. And uh, the thing is, is she looks very much the same because one of the things is when you draw Asian people, a lot of times to make them look Asian, they also kind of look tired. And she is a character who is kind of perpetually exhausted understandably <laughs> because of the, <laughs> the nature the, of what her the husband stress does. of yeah. being the wife of a superhero so so the art didn't really have to change all that much to make her asian to be perfectly honest yeah fair i just like it seemed like they made some cosmetic changes that i think are positive off of what i've heard so they certainly didn't hurt the show in any way shape or form. yeah so stuff. you had a versus battle here yes we're going to dive into that Grateful Bread video drone battle royale. Time to go. It's time to refinance that house. Lower your payments now. Pay over a longer period of time. Pay a larger overall amount with the guarantee that if you miss a payment, you'll lose it immediately. Refinance today. And now we take you to the Grateful Dead video drone located in downtown Mahala. At the Cow Palace. So glad to have those sponsors on with us. <laughs> Video drone, 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 drone.
Which type of drug movie is the best type of drug movie? You got your marijuana movies. You got your booze movies. And you got your hard drug movies. Which one's the best? Get her done. Take it out. Fight to the death. Can we get some examples? Well, fuck, man. You got... It also kind of breaks down to, like, (laughs) are we wanting to just have a silly, fun comedy movie? Because if we're going to do that, then we'll make a movie about weed. Because those are never serious. No. And they are always silly and fun. Like, you're half-baked. You're... uh, Up and smoke. Up and smoke. Every Cheech and Chong movie with one... Glaring exception. Corsican Brothers. <laughs> um, Pineapple Express. How um, High. How High is a really good one. Yeah. It's, like one <laughs> it's not yeah. every movie you get to see him smoking John Adams. That movie is fucking amazing, dude. <laughs> or is it John Quincy Adams? It's probably Ben Quincy. Franklin. They figure out that this one of Ben Franklin's lost inventions was a giant bong. <laughs> it's a cannon bong. <laughs> That movie is so goddamn dumb, it's delightful. (laughs) Yeah, it works really well. Friday. Friday. Next Friday. Friday after next. Probably put the Ted movies in. Ted. mm, Eh, I mean, there's weed. I don't know if I'd call it a weed movie. They smoke a lot of weed. That is true. (laughs) Where would you put... Big Lebowski. Well, there's a difference I, between. I a, think I keep oh, it out of this okay, because so. it's got all three elements involved in it. Like the main character is a stoner, but at no point and he smokes weed. Is that and, a, and he drinks focus white Russians? Like, yeah. yeah, it wasn't. It isn't really fake. And there's it's the hard drugs. drugs too. I mean, like Bunny is definitely hooked on something. Ah, <laughs> uh, dude, where's my car? Is a weed comedy. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Can't leave that one out. Classic. Dude, where is your car? Harold and Kumar. All the Harold and Kumars. Those are definitely weed comedies. Like, they talk about weed, and that's, like, part of the plot, basically. Yeah. Um, that getting high and whatever. You start to get more serious with your booze comedies, your booze movies. Oh, you movies. get deadly serious with your booze. You get more. I mean, you have some It's like a comedies. darker comedy. Yeah, like. Strange Brew and Beer Fest. That's yeah. true. Well, Those are straight comedies. I guess, yeah. yeah, I guess when you include beer, you definitely can get into comedies. But once you go into hard alcohol, it's that's like, hard they're, alcohol like, they're more like, like dramedies. And you also are actually nominatable for a, awards and shit. Like Sideways won awards and Leaving Las Vegas. Yep, that's how uh, Nick Cage La- got his yeah. Oscar. Uh, fucking Mads Mikkelsen just got an Oscar for another round, and that's a movie about drinking. You got your freaking Barfly with Mickey Rourke uh, being Charles Bukowski. Wry humor, kind of sarcastic, beat poety kind of nonsense. Cocktails, is that one? Cocktail? Cocktail. Uh, I mean, Punch I feel, you know what You know what cocktail actually love? is? Cocktail is almost like a sports movie in a way. It's like I'm going to get really good at this thing and become best in the world. So it's about being good at flipping the bottle around. Yeah, it's not really revolved around alcohol. It's not about making drinks. It's about making drinks, but it's not about drinking Drinking those drinks. Yeah. Yeah. What about a movie like Raging Bull? Raging Bull, I don't feel like really. Oh, that's about a real person, isn't it? Yeah, it's about. And even if it's about. 
an alcoholic. That's not all a person is. So I wouldn't reduce and, the yeah, movie. Shit, I'll, like, I'll be honest. I don't know if like they really paint him as an alcoholic per se. It's more like he's like, just a wife beating asshole. What about Pollock? I have I haven't seen Pollock with Ed Harris. I mean, I've seen Ed Harris before. <laughs> he plays Jackson. Welcome to the Rock. Yeah, and then you get into like 28 Days with Sandra Bullock. Well, that's Ooh, that's an alcohol movie for that's sure. That's also a drug movie, though. Because well, the people in rehab, it's not. Are there for various solely, different yeah. reasons. And it's a mo- that's a movie about addiction specifically. I would almost say that one would have to be off the table, like The Big Lebowski, because it like samples in a lot of things. Because it's a. Dumb romantic comedy, that but it does a have Alan comedy, Tudyk it? in it. Alan Tudyk is, but Alan great. Tudyk's in lots of bad things. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> we forgive him. He's great in bad things because he's good in this. Then we get completely serious. These movies, I guess you could say, are like there's like a certain kind of black humor. Like there's no beer fests here. There's, there's no like the, here. Like the, the closest the, you get is like Train Spotting, maybe. That movie is not okay. A, the closest we get, I and this is like a fucking dark ass movie too. Is Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? Okay, because that is like a drug. That is yeah. a drug. Yeah. That's movie. the closest you get to like a straight. But that comedy. one really doesn't fit in what we're talking about either. Right. It is unlike most movies. Anyway, you got your uh, Requiem for the Dreams. You got your uh, Spun, dude. There's a scene that's still haunts me from Spun where this dude has tied this girl to a bed for some reason and put and she's naked and he's put a blindfold on her. He's like, don't worry, I'll be right back. I'm just going to step out for a second. And he hits play on a CD player for her and the second he steps out of the room, it's the CD starts skipping. And then you find out that he is gone for like a day and a half and he just left her there like Oh my that. god. And then later on you see her and she's actually wound up being rescued by some crazy junkie lesbian chick from that shared a wall or something and she's like she rescued her but now she's like got her in her clutches cuz there are no good characters in this movie and it's just Awful. I just thought of a super dark heroin movie, that Gilliam one. Tideland? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, that's dark. Uh, Salt and well, Sea. Salt and Sea's one. Um, yeah, well, then you get a bright. And, like, do go, you in, include, like, Scarface Traffic, some of those movies? Yeah, you have to. Dude, Scarface is, like, the first movie you think of with cocaine. Yeah. I guess. It's synonymous, dude. I some uh I just said how it, about, so, so it uh, sounds weird. How about uh oh I thought of a good one. Um Go, but I mean that one's no. funny, but Go is definitely one. And it's dark, like Oh it's dark. Girl, it's easier the one girl like it's about speed. On MDMA and yeah. But then also people you people actually die in these movies. They don't really die in the weed movies unless it's re- and they don't even really die in the alcohol movies unless it's played for laughs or like or uh, they're drinking themselves they're drinking to death. Themselves yeah. to death. That, yeah. that happens a lot. Or yeah. somebody or they get in a wreck and kill somebody like the crossing guard. Like Landfill dies in Beer Fest, but then he gets replaced by his twin brother, Landfill 2. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, oh, there was a good one for what? What was the Ben Stiller one where he's on heroin? It's something with midnight after midnight. Or... Cowboy drugstore cowboy. Drugstore cowboy. No, Ben Stiller. Oh. <laughs> it was when he was Vince trying Vaughn? to be serious. Vincent D'Onofrio, Rutger Hauer. What? Why are you just throwing out names? Sandra Day O'Connor? Sandra Day O'Connor. Ruth what Bader are you Ginsburg? fucking talking about? <laughs> trying to derail you. Um, I mean, I no, don't know. I'm trying to remember the movie with... that – oh, Basketball Diaries. Oh, yeah. That's that was the a movie that I was trying one. to th- – it's about pills, but – Oh, that's right. Just drugs in general. Little uh, Leo DiCaprio. There's that episode of Saved by the Bell with caffeine pills and Jesse Spano. Technically, uh, a Scanner Darkly is about drug use. Like a, a DEA agent goes undercover um, and then – is like as the D agent, he's like tasked with investigating his own undercover identity. There's drug trips in that movie. Okay, I would count Scarface because he's doing cocaine in it, and that's a big part of the movie. But do we count the average movie where people are just moving cocaine or heroin? Like uh, traffic and blow? No. No, because that's a good example of what we're talking about. I'm talking about shit like, well, I don't know, Blow like a Lethal based Weapon on a true movie story or something. Again. Blow is based on a true story, so it's not does that mm. doesn't count because that's about a person. It's not a movie about drug use. Right. No, I'm, I'm thinking more like a Shane Black movie. The, if the bad guys are, are moving one drugs. Car- yeah. Yeah, if D- the, does that count in that, a hard drug movie? No. Or do you have to have a character who's on hard drugs? Like a, a main character. The main characters have to be doing drugs and it has to kind of end badly. <laughs> <laughs> or they're not doing – or the, that's not what the movie's about. Because how else is a story like that going to end? Happy? Yeah. Oh, look, I did drugs and things turned out better for me. No one's going to make that movie. Oh, dude, The Wolf of Wall Street is a hard drugs movie for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I mean, there's that weed mean, and drinking, but I think it's more about drugs. Like, that, it has an epic Quaalude it's got, fight. Like, the whole, <laughs> the whole thing is just, like, ex- everything in excess. Yeah. Which is kind of, like, excess itself is kind of the subject of that. Definitely. Story. And is that not based on a true story as well? Yeah, I guess it is based on a you true story. You and your biopics. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just think about them. To be fair, I brought up a Scorsese biopic, and you also brought up a Scorsese biopic. So Which one did I bring up? And where do you put Raging Bull. Where do you put yeah, it? Yeah, but uh, I never thought it counted. <laughs> because I thought Vegas. it was more of a boxing movie than it was... Well, it's not really a biopic because Hunter S. Thompson has said it's like half true and half exaggerated. And who knows where the where the truth really lies? Yeah, there. it's a fictional <laughs> it's a fictional retelling of a real story. Like large sections of that are completely made up. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like most of his writing, and it's also a lot of his his work is just very prosaic, anyways, and descriptive. Just talking in generals about society. and Yeah, he was part of the new journalist movement, which yeah. was to put the journalists in the center of the story. That was a revolutionary Gonzo. thing. Yes, and where it was Gonzo was like, not only did he put himself in the middle of the story, but he's driving the story. Yeah. And that's what set him apart in the new journalists. Good old Gonzo, Dr. Gonzo. Okay, so we've heard examples so it seems like the weed movies are generally comedies. 
This is what you do. I have the, a the, I I've been since you brought it up, I have tried to find weed movies that are not comedies. There aren't any. I am if you can, if it one exists, I'm not gonna fucking take it seriously because a serious movie about weed addiction is just like a slap in <laughs> the face. Weed addiction. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. It's a slap <laughs> in the face of anybody suffering from a real fucking addiction. Yeah. To watch somebody crying about my addiction to weed. Like, go fuck yourself. That is not a real addiction. You can form a chemical dependency to weed, but that's no different than you not being able to stop when you take eat the first potato chip and you eat an entire bag in one sitting. Like, it's just a matter of fucking willpower and portion control, not an actual physical chemical addiction to a thing like alcohol or heroin. Like, it's just a different... Thing. The irony is, is you got the most angry and like dour on like the lightest subject of the three. <laughs> yeah, well, I just it's stealing focus. The whole war on drugs is bullshit. Stealing and the fact that weed's been illegal for as long has been like stealing a lot of attention away from things that deserve more attention. Yeah. You know, making any all of these drugs illegal, making all of these people that are suffering criminals is like we've just got it so fucking backwards when it comes to that shit you know and then even we watch these movies and like the thing is is like if you watch videos of like donald trump jr that dude is got an amphetamine problem yeah right and it's not funny it's fucking sad but you look at a lot of these people that have gotten into all this crazy alt-right super insane bullshit and a lot of them have amphetamine fucking problems too an opioid for sure. And when you look at these drug movies, the message is one of there is no redemption, you know? So we're supposed to just give up on all these people and just not even give them a chance and they just go die in the alleys and shit. Sorry. I I have a whole category of movie that can fit into drinking, I think. Noir. Noir (laughs) movies are always centered around a protagonist who has a drinking problem. James Bond. Yeah, James Bond definitely. Although that is not represented super well in the movies. It's more heavily like the books (sighs) go on for paragraphs in the books about his hangovers and shit. Yeah, that is very descriptive hangovers in the the books that are not in the movies he never does suave and cool there's no movie where he doesn't have a drink in his hand for at least like 25 minutes it just doesn't he's like he has a superhuman ability to process and metabolize alcohol right okay so we'll disinclude james bond but like noir i mean it's drinking the main character in noir movies almost always has the whiskey bottle in the fucking drawer or they're going to a bar to get information they're fucking like getting drunk and then they get punched out like there's things like that all the time in noir i think the entire noir or at least classic noir has to go into drinking right drugs are usually a main part of the the world it can be but drinking is always there and it's always yeah. there with the protagonist. So I, I think you have to put that almost that entire. A hard-boiled detective likes to pour scotch into a glass. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And sometimes they'll he'll get ice in his glass and he'll throw the ice out of the glass. So I think we're discovering like weed is comedy. Alcohol is like noir. It's comedy. It's dramas. Am I missing something here? It's a lot of things. It's got a wide base. Yeah. 
And then hard drugs. You get your occasional go or fear and loathing in Las Vegas, but mostly you have stories about people destroying themselves. Yeah, you do you want to cry? I guess train spotting is probably closer to the go side of it, right? Like, yeah. do you want to be shocked or cry a bunch? Watch a hard drug movie. Do you want to feel pretentious <laughs> and win an Oscar? Do a movie about alcohol do you want to make a silly movie that just makes you giggle for 90 minutes and has absolutely no consequences <laughs> for anybody whatsoever everybody gets happy endings he guy gets to the guy gets to quit smoking weed and start having sex with a girl named Mary Jane <laughs> that's not, that that is the best one because it ends with I know like it all Thurgood sold out well let me tell you something I love weed I love it but not as much as I love pussy the end. That is literally how it ends. Yeah. And uh, it's just when it comes to re-watching a movie, that's the thing I think that tips it for me. Weed movies for me win because as much as I enjoyed Requiem for a Dream, I don't ever want to watch it again. Yeah, fair. I don't ever want to watch Spun again. I don't ever want to watch Salt and Sea again. But I do want to watch How High like probably three or four more times. I'm going to yeah. go drinking and I'll tell you why, dude. Like everything that weed has for their movies is represented in the drinking categories when you go beer. And everything that hard drugs have is represented in, in the hard alcohol section of like the alcohol genre. Yay. And there's so many more. <laughs> like drinking just has so many options that it's like it's the difference between going to rent a movie at a video store or like having netflix and hbo max at home like it's no fucking contest i'm gonna take the streaming service every time there's you know way more I, choices i hate that i understand why you made that choice it's a logical choice but i hate that choice <laughs> because alcohol is dumb and the reason alcohol is dumb is that it's been legal for so long that like uh we've never lived in a time when it hasn't been legal our parents have lived in a time where it has always been legal our grandparents probably it has mm, for most of their lives not not my mom's for parents. most of their yeah. lives like maybe they are wait like no what am i saying no that their whole lives too because <laughs> that was they were prohibition born in the 30s. was like yeah prohibition was like a long ass time ago now. It was literally a hundred years ago. So fucking people sit there with their gin and tonics in their hand and they're just like, drugs are bad. And they're like, fuck you, dude. You are a hypocrite. And just, just to be fair, like, I've sampled from all three of these categories in my lifetime, <laughs> or the subject matters of them, and uh, <laughs> I have the most fun with the weed one, but if you're talking about, like, a preference for movies, it's just because there's so much variety in alcohol movies. Whatever. There's just, uh, there's just so, there's so many more examples. <laughs> it's like the difference between getting, like, one good comedy a year or, like, getting... 25 good to great movies a year. Like, I'm going to go with the 25 good to great. Keep them coming. How about you, Brandon? Um, Brandon's mainlining <sighs> Requiem for a Dream every weekend. <laughs> oh. You know, I actually rewatched that a few times. Like, it gets easier every time, doesn't it? Or does it get harder to watch? Ass to uh, ass. <laughs> ass to ass. 
Maid Marian. Oh, what was that? I, I, I don't know. I Juice it's, by, and it's like Juice by Juice by Jerry. Juice by Jerry. Juice by Jerry. Juice by Jerry. I'm gonna go with alcohol. But have you seen the sequel to Train Spotting T2? You're sponsored yet. by alcohol, Brandon. You drink the whole episode. Yeah, he's <laughs> literally got two beer bottles next to it. No, it's but, it's, but Carl's high as shit. So. <laughs> <laughs> And that means that you must be ta- popping pills. I'm actually sober because I have to pick up a kid. <laughs> yeah, right. I saw him do a line. Um, Train Spotting Two is a really interesting movie because Train Spotting, like the aftermath, like 20 years later, they did some fucked up shit in Train Spotting. Robert Carlyle's character, like has been in prison basically since the end of the first movie and then like it's part of a heist movie and then like really does fit into that whole uh, hard drug one of the characters has been writing since then through his like dark deep drug days like kind of almost Hunter S. Thompson-esque writing it's really interesting okay so alcohol wins we got a winner boo so it's booze my spirit booze animal is the, is the hag from <laughs> Princess Bride <laughs> Boo! Boo! Boo this man! Princess of filth. Would that be the Princess Bride that has all sorts of drinking in it? I mean, you've Lidocaine got... Lidocaine poison. Got a, you've got Indigo Montoya's drunk Inigo? on brandy. Indigo Montoya? Inigo. Inigo, yeah. Inigo Montoya. That's okay, I'm still right. <laughs> I guess he's drunk at the beginning. But yeah. Miracle Max makes an instant cure. It's chocolate. That is true. You got a little <laughs> bit of drug, but I don't think there's any reason. Chocolate makes it. it slide down easier. Let's be honest. It's that's an a edible. movie best watch. It's an with, edible. Yeah, that's a movie best watch with edibles for sure. That is an edible that Miracle Max makes. He's. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so right. no drugs in this one. <laughs> There's, yeah, if you bring the drugs to the viewing, then every movie has drugs in it. <laughs> There's some people that would are probably super into Pineapple Express. I, I don't know. I thought it was fine for a watch. Yeah, I, I just, watched it. I, I watched so many people that just want to go down on that movie so hard all the time. And I'm just like, yeah, it was like fun once. I yeah. don't know. I saw a thing, an interview with Seth Rogen where he's like, I'm not going to work with that James Franco guy anymore. Sorry. Yeah, I saw that too. So I was like, yeah. I guess, yeah, I kind of don't really like watching stuff with him in it anymore anyways. But he's kind of just stopped doing stuff, so it works out. Yeah, I will but... say there's a lot of his movies that I do really enjoy, though. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be lying if I said, like, The Disaster Artist, I absolutely loved. That's because you got that weird thing for The Room. I don't, I don't get it. It's room. also got all the people from How Did This Get Made in it. I know. That's fine. They don't have to. I don't it's have got, to like everything they do. It's got just about every comedian is in that movie. A lot of them. Yeah. but uh, Too many. This is probably a good place this to This is the off. end. Is that a drug movie? The one about the apocalypse? No. I don't know. It feels like there's got to be like weed in there somewhere because it's got Seth Rogen, right? <laughs> yeah. They definitely have weed in that movie. <laughs> yeah. That laugh of his. At World's End is definitely a drinking movie. Yes. Yeah. There's one. And that's a straight count. Do you think maybe, what's his name? The director? Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright maybe has a drinking problem. <laughs> if you want to know, I know exactly why he keeps returning to this. He goes back to where he grew up in London and he's very sad 
because everybody that he grew up with is just wasting away on a pub stool. And they're always talking about things that they used to do. They're not doing anything except for drinking. And they always look at him like, oh, big shot kind of thing. And so that's why he keeps returning to this in so many of his movies is because that is his, like, looking back on his childhood and where he's from. So it's not just that movie. Like, it's like Shaun of the Dead, for example. Like, they keep going back to Winchester's over and over again. That was him talking about growing up. That was all anybody wanted to do is just keep going to the bar and not grow up, you know? Yeah. Take it easy. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show. Follow us or reach out on Instagram at NSF underscore network, Facebook's Not Safe for Network page, or email Not Safe for Network podcast at gmail.com. Not Safe for Network was created and hosted by Carl Borneman, Brandon Beardsley, and Alex Small. Produced by Alex Small. Subscribe to all the podcasts on our network. Season 3 of Movies with Wrestlers has Eric and Connor answering the question on everyone's mind. Who's better, The Rock or John Cena? Every week, a cosmic void has Jeremiah and Biggs deconstructing influential movies. Not Safe for Network examines the zeitgeist through rabbit holes, deep dives, interviews, and pop culture battles weekly. And if you need some classic TV talk, catch up on the previous three seasons of In Syndication.